long can the same tired joke go on for? <sighs> All right, here we go. One, two, three. <laughs> All right, everybody, and welcome to episode number 28 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Now, Chris, before you say a word, I want to ask you a little something different tonight. Pal, do you want to do it? What? (laughs) I'm talking about the show, you sick fuck! Chris, how you doing? Ugh... How how is anyone doing in this heat? Oh, I'm just tired I, of it. I am fucking done, dude. I have been in a miserable mood, and I don't care who knows it anymore. And I'm not hiding it. I'm fucking over it. This is just too much. I know it's summer, but Jesus, give it a break. It is out of control. I blame this on my cousin Vicky, who uh, the one I told you that was down in Texas. <laughs> she fucking moved up to. Rhode Island for the summer, and I told you she loves triple digit heat. It's it's the weirdest fucking thing. So she loves it, dude. Now ever since she's moved up here, and I think it was probably three weeks ago, dude. There's been no fucking rain, and we have not left the nineties. And then, uh, it seems seems like it must have been her then. And then she had the nerve to call me ornery because of this heat. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine Texas heat, man. I went down there one year. I think it reached 114 oh, during the day. That. I don't give a shit if it's dry heat or not. That's brutal. What does that even mean, dry heat? Like, there's no humidity? Depending on where you are, like, the further west you go, because we have the Gulf here, which, like, funnels moisture up the coast. But, like, when you go out west further, if you're further inland, you don't get that, you know, the, the, the I guess the jet stream doesn't really funnel the air because in the West Coast, it's a cold water front, but we have a warm water current, rather, not front. And I think it just, that's why the Northeast just gets hammered with moisture, like, throughout the summer. But Chris, I think you could tell by my silence that I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter what the science is. All I know is that it sucks. Dude, I mean, I gotta tell you this. I have literally been fighting with every woman in my life. This is really unbelievable. So... The aforementioned cousin, Vicky, I made her a birdhouse for the new place. And this thing has taken control of my life. I sent you. I did all the revisions to it. I put the little awning on the thing. Well, I've painted it, and I didn't like the way the paint came out, so I had to fucking sand it all down. Then I painted it again. Again, I didn't like it. So then Lara starts getting on me that I'm, I'm... making it too big and making too much of a fucking big deal out of the goddamn thing. So then that set me off with her. So I told you, Vicky called me ornery. I had Lara, in addition to mocking me about the birdhouse, talk to me about the show, telling me I sound like one of the most arrogant bastards she's ever heard in her life on these recordings. (laughs) And then I have a friend, Diana, and I think I've mentioned her on the show before, who wrote me and said that I've become... Chris, now hold on to your hat. This is very hurtful. I've become in tolerable since this podcast has started can you believe this wow but my feelings are hurt unbelievable you think you know something but but chris there is a positive light at the end of the tunnel now with all this negativity that these women are throwing at me bud we're here and we're here early today we are recording for the first time ever during the day (laughs) but i mean don't you hear the pep in our in our in our talk today 
this this was actually supposed to take place at night last night, but we just didn't feel like it. And the fucking night before, it was supposed to start Monday night. I was like, I can't do it. And then when, uh, last night, I told you I couldn't fucking do it again. I got into like the third inning of the Mets game, and then I just called the fucking quits for the night. All right, but what do you say we get into this fucking thing? I had some other shit I wanted to talk about, but uh, I don't give a shit. It's it, it's starting to get hot in this room again, and I'm starting to lose my fucking mind. You know what? I gotta say, at first, I didn't think this case was gonna be much, but it's actually pretty interesting. We were supposed to go out west, but we'll save that for next week or the week after. Everyone, Chris will be in studio with me next week. If you could That's believe right. it, Chris, and <laughs> and also. My hand to God, we are going to be going out and doing some field research before the fucking episode. That is, of course, unless it gets too hot out, <laughs> or we will have to safely hide somewhere to get an, a drink. And then, yes, we will be going to Terrapin before we fucking record, so we will come back nice and lit after we do our research um, on uh, the location of uh, Bigfoot, nonetheless. So we will be talking about fucking Bigfoot. The elusive. Oh, the ever-elusive Bigfoot. <laughs> now, that was the last thing I had to mention, Chris. I, now, I'm certain of it. That was the one thing that was on my mind. My good people, we are going to try to unveil what only blurred pictures have shown you. <laughs> for, the past, for the past fucking hundred years, every, <laughs> every shot has been blurred. It's unbelievable how that happens. Just the camera just happens to be out of focus. Either that, or Bigfoot is runs about 50 miles per hour, and that's all they could catch. It's the same thing with that Cock Ness monster. I don't think that's it at all, actually. What? You mean the Loch Ness monster? Oh, jeez, I'm sorry, Chris. I, I messed that up. Uh, yes, same fucking thing with the Loch Ness monster. Nobody can get a clear shot of these fucking assholes. <laughs> that thing... As, as quickly as it, it pops its head up for a picture, it's right back down. You'll never get a good, clean shot. <laughs> All right, well, let, <laughs> let's save all the laughs for next week, Chris. Like you said, we have a very interesting case tonight, Chris. Uh, excuse me, today, Chris, today. <laughs> we we, we got to break this habit. We have a very interesting case for you today. And this is another one where uh, you judge for yourself if you think this uh, thing is real or not. It's one of those things that either people believe in or they don't. Because today, Chris and I are going to be talking about the only registered haunted house in New York State. And this case was actually heard in the appellate division of the New York Supreme Court. Uh, Now, Chris, this house is a little more in your neck of the woods, so why don't you start us off on this journey? (laughs) So, just over the bridge, in a town called... Nyack. This river town has been the focus of many articles since this great case that you mentioned, which turned out making this the first, legally, I guess, haunted house. And a family by the last name Ackley acquired this house that was built in 1890. The Ackleys purchased this home in the 1960s, and it wasn't right away, but some interesting things began to happen Ooh, in uh, the years following. So they bought the house in the 60s, right? Correct. Okay, so, I mean, so things take a little while to get going. They had been there for over a decade, uh, almost a decade and a half before any of this shit actually started to, quote-unquote, happen. And uh, I put that in quotations because... We don't fucking know if this is true or not. But between the years 1977 and 1989, the Ackley family claims that a number of 
of apparitions appeared, poltergeist encounters, and all sorts of other crazy fucking hauntings taking place. Prior to the story, let me give you a quick rundown. They bought this house when the thing was all fucked up, right? So I think this adds to the lore of it. You know, they probably moved in. The place looked fucking creepy, right? Until they fucking fixed it up. And this is predated by fucking kids in the neighborhood supposedly telling them not to go through with it. And there were prior paranormal incidents. So, I mean... Put that in the back of your head, too. So, apparently, they were getting warnings. Mind you, a decade and a half before anything started to happen. So, uh, Chris, why don't we go down a rundown of some of the <laughs> the claims that Helen and the boys and girls uh, that they uh, encountered. Yes. So, the family, which included, well, George and Helen, the, the parents, and then the children, Cynthia, George, Karen, and William. By George, you got all the names correct. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> So, like most hauntings, you expect doors to slam, footsteps going around, and those were reported... A child uh, a child laughing, a ball rolling down the hall. <laughs> your quintessential haunting. <laughs> so, some of the hauntings they claimed to be from people of the American Revolution era, uh, one of which was a Navy lieutenant that the son apparently came, quote unquote eyeball to eyeball with um as we call that in modern day a mirror uh there were interesting little trinkets found about the house which they believe were gifts that were left to the children to be found um so but the 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 funny thing is that they disappear right so they (laughs) they would give these fucking gifts and then uh they would uh, disappear within the fucking day or the week as part of the age-old game, now you see it, now you don't. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> From all reports, most mostly these hauntings were nothing truly alarming. There was instances where the daughter, Cynthia, would have, or actually I think most of the family members, would have their beds apparently shaken uh, in the mornings that would wake the family up consistently. But this ghost was very courteous, right, Chris? Because wasn't... <laughs> the daughter home from school one day and she shouted and proclaimed don't you dare wake us up in the morning you let us sleep and apparently the ghost was nice enough to oblige (laughs) yes so the daughter who had spring break she pleaded that the ghosts would not wake her early in the next morning because she could sleep in and they let her do just that oh that's kind that's just a nice ghost that's all i mean uh, these ghosts went as far as to even compliment. Uh, oh, no. How so? The, the homeowners. How, oh, are you talking about the incident when? Uh, <laughs> this is a great one. When Helen claimed that uh, Sir George, whoever the fuck that is, I guess the name of the ghost, was apparently sitting in midair, mind you, watching her paint the ceiling in the living room. And as she's going back and forth, and she's on this fucking ladder, right? And uh, apparently she's about eight feet off the ground and probably eyeball to eyeball with Sir George, as uh, we've heard before. She uh, noticed that he was looking at her and um, much to her dismay, he wasn't really given a reaction one way or the other. So she said, uh, Sir George, do you like the colors that I'm painting in the room? Do you approve? <laughs> do you approve of my new color scheme? And, you know, Sir George, with his uh, artistic eye, he just simply nodded and smiled. And was in agreement with the color scheme, Chris. What do you think of that? Clearly, an approval of what they of the <laughs> the additions they were making. 
these were some of the the reports that the family were making in terms of their encounters with poltergeists. So, like we mentioned before, nothing really hostile, but there was a very eerie incident that took place when they had a guest over one evening. Call it something related to a haunting, or call it just unfortunate luck. This guest that they were having over for dinner came into the home and immediately dropped dead of a brain aneurysm. Very sad and unfortunate. Uh, They don't really dig too deep into saying that it was something in the house that caused it, but they obviously an incident like that happening in a house such as this, they brought up the fact that this person had dropped dead instantly in the house. But that's the thing too, where aneurysms, especially brain aneurysms, I mean, that can happen at any point, any time, you know? To anybody. Yes. Dude, that's fucking terrifying. It is. I mean, it's a quick death at least. You know, it's not one of those things where you're like, you're, you're really awake, I guess. It just kind of happens fast. Way to put a positive spin on it, Chris. <laughs> but yes, it's it's one of those kind of silent killers where you just, you don't know what's happening and it could happen at any moment. Well, so. that that seems to me, I mean, I, I get it with the backdrop the, the, of this house and the stories that go on, how that may be interpreted as having something to do with these... Uh, hauntings that are apparently going on in this house but to me that just seems like circumstance and chance you know so obviously that that thing was fucking coming on one way or another no matter where she fucking was you know i think it's just an unfortunate yeah man and it's terrible but you know as we stated earlier these hauntings uh ran from 77 through 1989 so keep that in mind that's a long time frame for these stories to be happening. Now, the interesting thing here is that Helen begins reporting the hauntings in 77. Now, unfortunately, her husband, George, passed in 78. So now that starts to beg the question, is this something that she kind of, maybe not um, making it to be a hoax, but maybe it's something she wanted to believe, and maybe the hauntings were a way of her husband showing her a sign that he was still with her even though he That's never yeah as even even though he never appeared as any kind of entity or whatnot so keep that in mind because that happened right after the supposed hauntings began but as we said it went on for a long period of fucking time so as these things happen obviously the family aged Cynthia grew up she got engaged to a man named Mark Cavanaugh Apparently, they reported hearing conversations in vacant rooms, hearing conversations on different levels of the house when there was obviously nobody there. So I'm going to actually quote Mark Cavanaugh here. He said, Cynthia had already fallen asleep and I was drifting. Then I heard the bedroom door creak and the floorboard squeak. So as we said, Chris, the doors, the footsteps, all the normal shit you uh, think of when you think of uh, poltergeist and hauntings. My back was to the edge of the bed. Suddenly, the edge of the bed, by my midsection, depressed down, and I felt something lean against me. If that happens, that's terrifying. That's fucking freaky. <laughs> that's, well, because you know, I get shit sometimes, like if I'm, if I turn my back a certain way, like if my back is turned towards the fucking door and the door is open, I can't be comfortable. You never get that sense like you're being watched or some shit. You're like, oh, yeah. You're like, so I have to turn around and face the other way. I just have to. Otherwise, I can't be fucking comfortable, you know? And I, I'll start fucking freaking myself out that somebody's actually there watching me. But let me get back to what uh, old Mark said. So he said somebody was leaning against something. He goes, I went literally stone stiff. 
I was speechless and could hardly move. I was able to twist my neck around enough to see a womanly figure in a soft dress through the moonlight from the bay windows. I felt like she was looking straight at me. After about a minute, the presence got up and walked back out of the room. I finally relaxed enough to shake my wife out of a sound sleep, acting like a toddler who had just had a nightmare. Like, you would think with all these things happening that we're fucking talking about, that word would begin to uh, seep out. And seep out it did uh, into the media and to, uh, Chris, your favorite periodical, Reader's Digest. Am I right? (laughs) Actually, my mom used to work for Reader's Digest. That's right. I remember that. And do you know this, Chris? There is a Reader's Digest New Mexico. Really? The town's uh-huh. name is Reader's Digest? Yeah. I think they had won a bidding war or some shit like that. I remember that. Interesting. Something like that. Um, File that under shit you do not need to know. <laughs> okay, so, interesting. So this gets published in May of 1977, right? So Yeah, so right at the beginning of The Hauntings. But this is the interesting thing. So what would make some rando family who gives information to Reader's Digest. What would make Reader's Digest believe them and publish this in their magazine? Like, what makes this house so special? I'm I'm curious, did somebody come to confirm that there was some weird stuff going on? Like, if I were to just right now call uh, the New York Post or New York Times, be like, some random apparition sits at the end of my bed every night. They're not going to publish it in the newspaper. Well, I think just because of the size of this house, it's basically a mansion. It's right on the Hudson. And in addition to that... Whenever they used to do tours of Nyack and, you know, within the, the town there, this house was one of the stops on the tour, one of five houses that was on his tour. So maybe somebody from the magazine was there or somebody who knew someone who worked for one of the magazines. In addition to that, you know, you got the historic aspect of the home as well. So people always like that. And people like a good ghost story, whether you fucking believe in it or not. At least I do. Despite all these fucking um, encounters, apparently the fucking Ackleys said that they never had any violent events take place. Basically, it was a peaceful coexistence between the Ackleys and the poltergeists. The first thing that came to my mind was when I found out that there was hauntings, or supposed hauntings by this family, that they stayed in the house for as long as they did. Because I was, you know you're being haunted, if you can even call it hauntings, are peaceful so that they were able to coexist. I mean, especially when you're getting compliments from your uh, <laughs> from your apparitions uh, and only improving the place. So, Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I could be scared shitless and one good compliment from a ghost, and I'm all in. He could stay as long as he wants. <laughs> yeah, it just makes you feel good about yourself. You're going to get a nice compliment. And you, can, you cannot put a price on that, Chris. <laughs> but what's funny is that, you know, as we said, that fucking encounter with Kavanaugh, that was one of the stories that um, Helen left out when she reported to Reader, Reader's Digest. So I guess she didn't want to uh, give any notion that there was kind of anything evil or ultra scary going on. That They just kind of knew that these fucking entities were living there and they were, as we said, coexisting with each other for whatever reason. Maybe that's just the, the image that she wanted to put out there. It's interesting because even though the account that he had was probably a little different than the ones I had before, it wasn't it wasn't anything hostile. She just apparently sat next to him and and looked at him. I mean, I guess it's creepy. I'll give it that for sure. 
but it wasn't anything that she didn't like attack him no not at all but what's funny is that later on uh down the road kavanaugh says that he reflected on the incidents i'm reading this right from fucking wiki this is great he reflected on the incidences that he experienced and came to the conclusion and this is a nice conclusion he put a positive spin on it chris like us He's a positive guy. That the ghosts were just evaluating him to make sure that he was a good suitor for Cynthia. Oh. Now, I would love to know if they're still married. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's going to scare you straight, it's going to be a fucking ghost. So, that's interesting. And that will kind of... This is, this is kind of like a background on the house. Because what unfolds after the Ackleys decide to sell? So, in the... Uh, 1980s, I'm assuming 89 is around the time that they put the house up for sale because that's when she claims that the hauntings went until they find a buyer. They hit the fucking bricks. Yeah, they're, they're, they're selling this house, mind you, in the late 1980s for $650,000. And yeah, they purchased it in the 60s, so I mean, you can imagine a profit they're making on this fucking thing. Oh, I mean, and that amount of money at that time is huge. I mean, that's an expensive house now. We're going to get into what it fucking is valued out today, which is make $600,000 look like fucking chump change. Yeah. So granted, this house is large. It's 4,200 square feet. It is a very sizable home, and it's right on the water. So the value makes sense. But upon selling this house, neither the realtor or the Ackleys mentioned to the buyer anything about the past history of hauntings or anything it's not mentioned and the buyer clearly has not heard of this house which that surprises me but why i mentioned when that reader's digest article was published in the 70s uh, and because this home was given pretty you know the spotlight for a little while that he the buyer did not know anything the buyer being jeffrey stambovsky he did not hear anything about the hauntings. Well, I would think, uh, I'll just interrupt for a second, Chris. I would think, yeah. you know, because that Reader's Digest was published in 77. So, obviously, if he didn't read it then, it's not like the internet now. There were, I mean, it's not like now. There was no internet, no social media, no no quick sharing. So, I mean, that fucking, that issue from 77 went into the fucking archive. So, this guy is not going to be able to fucking find it. And, you but know, I guess not even people around or people that knew him or anybody did not like mention a word to him like nobody I'm, I'm assuming the town knew all about it he was coming up there from one of the boroughs in new york so he might not have known anybody and maybe people just didn't get involved or you know it's a, it would be kind of weird for somebody to run into the house while it's being shown don't buy it don't buy it <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking yeah i don't know it's just crazy because he's from the same state i mean Nyack is you know, not too far away from New York City. So, But in any case, he doesn't know. And the Ackleys and the realtor don't mention it. So he put a down payment thing. I mean, this guy was ready to fucking go, right? He was about... Oh, yeah. $32,500 down payment on an agreed price of 650000 Woof. So, uh, yeah, old uh, Stambovsky uh, then gets word of the haunting stories. And now... I think that this is where the Reader's Digest article comes back into play and comes back to bite all Helen right in the ass. Now they have, in writing, recorded paranormal events that Helen and her family claimed happened. So there's no backtracking out of that story, right? I, I, I mean, I, I think it's admissible like evidence. It's, it's been published 
and because of Reader's Digest, you know, because of how widespread their their publication is, and their reputation as well as, as right. being, I uh, think that plays a lot into. Yeah, so I mean, my man Stamboski said, "Fuck this! I'm not buying this fucking thing." So he uh, takes this to court because they have his down payment, they have a signed contract. And then, you know, he gets this news. He's like, fuck you. You never revealed that to me. I'm not buying this goddamn place. And I don't blame him, you know, especially if you kind of believe in that shit. How the fuck could you even go through with it? Stambowski got so fucking freaked out and wanted nothing to do with his house. He didn't even attend the closing, <laughs> which, which unfortunately caused him to forfeit the down payment. Now, I don't know if he fucking knew that or not, but him not showing up to this closing was a forfeiture of the down payment. And I guess that would say that because you know you signed this contract if the people had known that you weren't going to show up they could have been showing the house and had a potential new buyer so after he learned of the story like we said he filed an action requesting rescission of the contract get rid of the fucking thing and give me my money back but in addition to this he also filed for damages for fraudulent misrepresentation so he wanted to make a little money off of the non-sale as well. Now, that would be something, Chris. Getting your fucking money back, not buying the house, and making money off of a house that you just fucking viewed through a realtor. So he decides to take this all the way up to the New York State Supreme Court. The fucking trial court. But, Chris, they uh, dismissed the action. But my man did not give up. Uh, Stambovsky fucking appealed. He, so he appeals, and... The majority opinion that comes from three of the five justices, they conclude that having reported, this is in quotes, having reported presence in both a national publication and the local press, defendant is stopped to deny their existence, and as a matter of law, the house is haunted. Ooh. So they actually deemed a house, the court deemed a house to be haunted. And because that they said that regardless of whether the house was haunted or not, the fact that it was widely reported as being such would greatly affect the value of the house. Therefore, it wasn't really a matter of the fact that the house was haunted. It was the fact that it was widely known to be perceived as haunted. Therefore, it could affect its value. So under the circumstances, he had the right to back out of purchasing the house. Now, that's something you don't hear every day. When I look at it, I mean, I, this guy has every fucking right to back out, especially, you know, if that was already published in Reader's Digest magazine, so you have that on record, people have different fucking beliefs on this shit, you know, say it's bullshit, or you believe in ghosts, that means nothing because you fucking didn't disclose this information. So say this guy really truly believes in the shit, he's scared shitless of it. The fact that you did not disclose any weird undertakings in this fucking house, I would assume, I'm assuming that'd be kind of similar to not telling potential buyers that maybe someone had even been murdered in the house or, you know, attacked or something like that. So I guess you would want full disclosure. So I kind of agree that uh, he definitely should have been made aware of that and given his fucking money back. Under that instance, like when someone dies in a house, maybe it's different if it was a murder, because I'm assuming that would have to be public knowledge, but if someone were to, to die in the house, I don't, that's definitely not something that needs to be disclosed by the 
by the seller. A mur- do you think a murder would have to be fucking? No, disclosed? I think a murder would be disclosed. I don't know if the buyer has to dis- the seller has to disclose it or not, but I'm assuming it has to be public news that there was a murder in the house. Maybe you know, maybe they would have to. But so aside from that, so remember that he also was trying to seek uh, damages for fraudulent misrepresentation. The court actually dismissed that. They stated that the realtor had no duty to disclose the hauntings to potential buyers, so there were there were no damages available. They allowed him to back out of the deal, right? Backing out was was fine, but he couldn't seek damages for fraudulent misre- misrepresentation because they said that it was not the duty of the realtor to actually disclose that. But now what's funny is <laughs> during the fucking case, they actually started making references to... Um, Ghostbusters, and rightfully so. Now, Chris, I'm I mean, gonna, I, now, Chris, please, I'm going to ask you a question. If you notice a ghost in your house, who are you going to call? Uh, the nearest hotel <laughs> <laughs> where I'm going to be staying. <laughs> well, what's funny is, like, you know, I told you this fucking house that I live in is from 1840. So, I mean, God knows how many pi- people died in this motherfucker. You know, I've never experienced anything, and nor would it stop me from buying the fucking house, especially at the bargain I got it for. If there were, if there were to be something, it would be something in your place for sure. <laughs> oh, buddy, you're you're gonna find out next week <laughs> when you get locked in the basement. <laughs> so after this case fucking ended, obviously the house is. Back on the fucking market. Zimbowski loses his fucking down payment, but he's free to fucking go, right? He, there's no contractual agreement. That's fucking gone. So now, you know, this case fucking blows up. You know, it's all over the fucking news, especially in New York. Now, uh, you'd think maybe that would scare some people away. Oh, but you'd be fucking wrong because all sorts of real estate agents wanted to get their fucking hands on this place, right? Because buyers were calling in from all around the fucking United States that wanted to fucking buy this place within a week of the court's fucking decision. It's just funny because even though they went to court on this decision, just the act of this case by itself, I mean, of course they were they wanted to battle because the, I guess the Ackleys didn't deem a, that they were, you know, at fault for not mentioning, even though most people probably would agree they are. They also didn't want to be sued for uh, misrepresentation. But just the case itself by this guy filing an action for this caused even more, like you mentioned, uh, of a spotlight on them. So they end up getting probably, I don't even, it doesn't mention what they sold the house for, though. Did they sell it for six fifty? I tried looking up history on the sales, and it doesn't go back that far, but I'm assuming they got... Bro, there must have been a bidding war for that fucking thing. Everybody came out of the woodwork to buy this fucking place, right? We even had uh, <laughs> a couple of, uh, I guess you want to call them celebrities. Um, we had one guy named uh, Kreskin. <laughs> what would they call him? Kreskin the Magnificent? Was that his fucking nickname? That would be the amazing Kreskin. The amazing Kreskin. And uh, we come to find out that this guy's a mentalist. And you might say, what the fuck is that? It just means like he's like a David Blaine type of fucking uh, deal. One of these magicians that you see on TV, obviously. He was on TV, right? He had a fucking TV show? Yeah, I think back in the 70s, yeah. All right, so he went to try to buy the place. He didn't fucking buy it. But they did uh, sell the house to another buyer, and they fucking split. They got the fuck out of town, and then they moved to Florida. So you can imagine the profit they made in this house in New York, and then buying something in Florida in 91. God, they could probably buy a whole fucking island down there at that point. Yeah, seriously. Uh, But all good things must come to an end, and unfortunately, uh, Helen passed away in 2003, right? And it seems that 
her son-in-law, and I don't know if this is still Mark, and I'm hoping that he's still married because the spirits wanted to make sure that he was the right one for the daughter of Cynthia. So let's hope that they're still together. But uh, he seems to think that <laughs> Helen's spirit is back at the fucking place in Nyack. So make of that what you will. Have there been any reports of anyone seeing her, Ben? Two words, Chris. Fuck no. <laughs> I don't know if there are any more recent accounts of hauntings there. Although the house is up for sale now. And what, would you mind telling us what it's valued out now? <laughs> My good people, this spacious 4,628 square foot riverfront home is going for $1.9 million. Fuck, I bet Stamvosky, which he never backed out of that deal now. Now, Chris... <laughs> with this kind of fucking price tag, you gotta imagine that there's probably some big names involved, and there were some celebrities that fucking lived there, and apparently, due to this day, uh, one guy named Adam Brooks, uh, who was the screenwriter and director for the movie, definitely, maybe, I hate the name of that fucking movie. Yeah, so, a director, uh, and 20 years, that's crazy. Uh, right, oh uh, yeah, so he was there for two decades... Never saw a fucking thing. Yeah, not no reports. I mean, you fix up a house, not only spacious, but it did appear to also have a lot of light. I guess the way that the the windows on the riverside... It's were, a beautiful fucking... A very spacious... Oh, it's, it's stunning. It does uh, not look fucking scary at all. <laughs> and now the current owner, and this is from the New York Post, uh, the home's current owner, Jewish singer and rapper, Matis Yahoo... Modest Yahoo? Is that how you fucking say it? I, uh, your guess is as good as mine. All right, so uh, this guy fucking too, he has not reported any uh, supernatural sightings. So, you know, as they say, you know, it's a nice little fun fucking story, but uh, it isn't backed up by anybody but the Ackleys. Now that we have all this information in our back pocket, let's talk about what we think, Chris. What, what do you take away from all this? It's tough because... I don't know. I'm, I'm very iffy when it comes to hauntings and ghosts. I lean towards wanting to believe them, but not seeing one ever in my lifetime, it's hard for me to believe apparitions like this happen, but I don't know. I mean, the entire family apparently has accounts, but they're all accounts from Helen, except for the one by Mark. You can't know exactly what's true and what's not, especially if this house got as much attention as it did in the 70s from Reader's Digest, you could see why they'd want to keep fluffing it up with new stories. I don't know. I, I'm leaning towards bullshit. No! <laughs> Come on, Chris. That is just, that is wrong on so many levels. Now, uh... Well, why don't you tell the good people what you think, Bill? Jesus, did you have to be so creepy there, Chris? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think that the Ackleys, uh, as we had noted earlier, when they were in the process of buying the house, it looked like shit. So it was probably in shambles. Looked a little eerie. And then they had the neighborhood uh, kids and maybe some other neighbors, maybe some adult neighbors telling them to stay the fuck away from this house. You know, there's weird shit going on. Because obviously, you know, if you see a house that has no electricity, it had been abandoned for a little bit, you're going to get fucking freaked out by it. So I think there was a little part of that. And then uh, they were staying in there all these years and hadn't experienced anything basically until 
the dad, George, passed away, right? I think for one year prior to that, but he was sick for quite some time. But then after that is when all the paranormal activity started to take place. So I'm really wondering if it was kind of like almost like a mental soothing for Helen to believe that there is an afterlife and and the paranormal shit actually exists. Now, I would love to believe that myself, but, uh, you know, I guess, you know, common sense would kind of uh, <laughs> tell you that it doesn't exist. Uh, now, with that said, I still wouldn't tempt it. I mean, I could say all I want, I don't believe in it, but... You know, if you want me to go do Bloody Mary in the fucking mirror at 3.15 in the morning, that's a fucking hard no. I'm certainly not tempted with that price tag. <laughs> I'm definitely, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to... That place better be fucking beautiful. I'm not dealing with any fucking uh, abnormal, paranormal shit. What, what sways my opinion to call this bullshit is the fact that, you know, in all the years since... What are we talking? Almost 30 years, right? There has not been one obviously piece of evidence but not even one eyewitness account you know not nobody has said anything there's yeah. been nothing i mean look we all know have heard of mediums out there and how certain people are more susceptible to seeing and hearing things and who knows maybe helen was a just happened to be someone who was that uh, type of a medium who are able to communicate and see, you know, the dead, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that is true, Chris. Uh, some people may be more susceptible, and uh, I would des- definitely be uh, susceptible to that fucking uh, price tag, and I'd be running the other fucking direction. <laughs> but anyway, that's the end of it, Chris. That is the end of episode number 28, and what I can only assume is the only registered haunted house in New York State. So, uh... I mean, this was a fun little case to uh, to cover, yeah. and uh, once again, Chris, we solved it, bud. We cracked the case. We are 28 for 28. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's one way to put it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, this this little case was actually, this was kind of fun. I liked looking into this one a little bit, especially when there's a backstory, and the, the, the Supreme Court case really kind of spiced it up a little bit. Yeah, so give uh, a little more uh, validity to it, certainly. Right. Even though the the report of the house being quote unquote haunted was really more of the case being said that just because it was widely publicized as being haunted that it could affect the value of the house. So not whether the the court truly believes it's haunted or not is well, another question. I guess the moral of the story is don't tell shit to Reader's Digest. Oh, God. That's it, everybody. That's going to wrap it up for us. I am going to give you the quick rundown of Facebook uh, Between the Cracks podcast. You can write us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com. And if you want to toss a few pennies to the boys at Between the Cracks, you can find us on PayPal at btcpod2020 at gmail. That is our official email and that money will be well used for new equipment our research and everything else you know i mean so if you want to fucking donate you donate what, what can i tell don't you don't forget to mention instagram bill Ooh, yes uh that that is uh the other thing i want to say instagram you can find us there between the cracks podcast and now chris the funny thing about instagram is i saw that we lost two followers the other day oh yeah, no they are womp, gone. Womp, womp. they are gone they have they are done with us i think i covered everything 
So uh, why don't you guys uh, tune in next week to see if I can finish this godforsaken fucking birdhouse and uh, finally get it out of my life. (laughs) So until next week, Chris and I bid you the fondest. Oh. Farewells. That's it. I got fucking... Uh, oh, 71 minutes, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> Please cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris... <laughs> Some very interesting things began to happen. Well, they, speak they... English? Ah, fuck. Revolution. So, it's America, Chris, Chris, say it over again. Uh, it cut out. It, it, it cut out again. Opinion. What the fuck is the dissenting opinion? Who the fuck is Kreskin? Uh, let me yeah, stri- let me, let me, that. I'm striking that whole fucking thing out. Don't. What did I... What were we talking about? What was the last thing you said? I have... You like lollipops? Well, I'm sorry, what? Now, I think I covered anything... Oh, God. Is this the only registered fucking haunted house? It's hot as tits in this fucking room. God damn.